Welcome to the FOI Equip podcast, your free resource for learning and engaging with the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Katolka. You know, the scriptures tell the story of God's chosen people and his plan to bring salvation to the whole world through Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. Come see why it matters that God would choose an ancient people to bring a timeless hope to a lost and broken world. Now, listen, I want to encourage you to go to foiequip.org to sign up to be on our mailing list. You're going to receive vital information on how you can join our free live online FOI Equip classes. Now get ready. Join our expert staff on the FOI Equip podcast as we teach the scriptures, unravel the colorful world of Jewish culture and customs, reveal God's prophetic plan, and so much more. Now enjoy this teaching from FOI Equip. When you go to the book of Leviticus, uh, and you don't have to turn there, some of you have trouble finding it, uh, let alone reading it. It's Your pages might still be stuck together. But in the book of Leviticus, uh, where Chris is going to teach the first Thanksgiving, in Leviticus 23, we have seven feasts, seven specific feasts. And those feasts, feasts are given to Israel. They're given to the nation of Israel. And they tell a incredible story. So if you'll notice, uh, and this, by the way, was in Israel My Glory magazine. Uh, I highly recommend if you don't get Israel My Glory that you sign up. You could go to foi.org and sign up for Israel My Glory. Now, if you'll notice, the seven feasts, they tell an incredible story. They, it, they're literal feasts that God gave to Israel for specific purpose. And it starts with redemption, uh, moves to sanctification, unleavened bread, two feasts together. Uh, Jewish people call it Passover, uh, and they think it's eight days, but actually it's two feasts together. And then first fruits. Uh, those are those tell a story from a Christian point of view uh, that are uh, that really tell us about our redemption, our being set apart and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then Shavuot is the birthday of the church. And then you come to trumpets, day of atonement, and tabernacles. And that's what we want to talk about as Chris changes the slide. Uh, if you notice Rosh Hashanah, there are a couple, actually three passages that we could look at. We're not going to spend a lot of time. Well, we are going to spend a lot of time. We're not we're going to move to Day of Atonement and Tabernacles the next two weeks. In Leviticus chapter uh, 23 and verses 23 to 25, let me read that for you. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel, saying in the seventh month of the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing the trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire. That's where God told the Jewish people to have this holy convocation. In Numbers, the same, we're still in the Torah, and Moses is still the author, but now we're in chapter 29, and in, uh, starting in verse 1. And the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation, do no customary work. It's a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering and a sweet aroma to the Lord, one young bull, one ram, seven lambs in the first year without blemish. 
The grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah, a bull, two-tenths of a ram, one-tenth each of the seven lambs, also one kid of goats as a sin offering. Besides the burnt offering with its grain, offering for the new moon. So you have God commanding his people. There's going to be shed blood here. There's the blowing of the trumpets. It's the, uh, it's the feast of trumpets. And then in Ezekiel, you're going to have a prophetic uh, uh, example of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, because of the blowing of the trumpet, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, as we go, the blowing of the shofar, and I could do this for you. If you could see me, Chris, can you see me in one of those squares? I don't know yes, if you can. can. You look good. You look uh, all right. Better. Well, let me get back a little. I'll, I'll give you a little sample of a dying cow. This is a dying cow. All right, Steve. So, you know what's Steve? You know what's funny? What? I don't know if it's just a certain frequency, but it did not pick up. That once you started blowing, I think the computer said no, thank you. Oh, okay, next it out. Okay, <laughs> too bad. And I was blowing my blowing my brains out doing it. Um, so trumpets is given to the Jewish people. It's a call to the people, and whenever they heard the shofar. They didn't have computers, so they actually heard it. Whenever they heard it, they knew it was time to gather, to come. And so the prophetic implication of trumpets is actually the dry bones of Ezekiel chapter 37. Uh, people, believers have a hard time, as you look at different commentaries, they have a hard time getting what, who, who's this speaking about? Uh, and it's interesting those that have a hard time simply just don't accept the text for what it says, because in that text, it says these bones are the whole house of Israel. So for we're only going to be concerned with Rosh Hashanah today, the Feast of Trumpets. So move to the next one, Chris. Lashana Tova. Lashana Tova is the greeting at Rosh Hashanah, and it simply means good year, happy year. Uh, wonderful year. Uh, and if you notice that the picture, there's uh, honey and apples. Uh, the idea of happy new year is the idea of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we're, people say, wait a minute, it's the new year? It's September. It's October. Well, that's in our calendar. Uh, in the Hebrew calendar, we're actually, you can move. Oh, by the way, the picture in the lower right-hand corner is our encounter group, one of our encounter groups, we've had many, they are actually, that they met probably sometime in the summer and they took imperishable goods uh, and packed bags for the local JCRC, JCC for Holocaust survivors, those Jewish people who have a hard time getting out. Those are actually Rosh Hashanah bags that our team packed and brought to the JCC for delivery, which would be a couple months after that. And they at the JCRC are so thrilled whenever they meet our encounter group, because these are people who come from all over the United States and Canada. Uh, they come to encounter the Jewish people. Some of them have never met a Jewish person before, and they get ingrained in the Jewish population in New York and Philadelphia. And here they are, 
Lashana Tova, a happy year, a blessed year. And they're they're preparing these bags for those who are really in need and will be blessed by it. So move to the next one, Chris. All right, it's all about the numbers. So I told you it's the seventh month. It's Tishrei. It's the seventh month. So number one, the time of Rosh Hashanah is the seventh month of the calendar. There are three feasts in this month, and we're covering all of them for the next three weeks, this week and the next two. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Tabernacles. Another three, according to the rabbis, there'll be three books open. Now, listen carefully. This is Judaism, rabbinic Judaism, teaching that at this time, there's a book of life open, and there's a book of judgment. But the rabbis say, you know what? No one is that good that they're already inscribed in the book of life. Even though it's about 10 days away from Yom Kippur, when they're sealed, nobody's really that good. But on the other hand, nobody's that bad either that they're in the book of judgment. So most people, the rabbis say, they look out in the congregation. For me, it was in Hebrew school. And they looked, he looked, the rabbi looked at us and said, you're probably in this book. And so for the next 10 days, you have got to do as many mitzvot as you can do. You've got to do as many commandments as you can do because you need to be sealed in the book of life. Right now, we greet people with, may your name be inscribed in the book of life. It's not so much different than when we share our faith and say, we want you to come to the knowledge of, uh, of Yeshua so that you can be saved. Uh, and we we desire that, and we believe it's by grace and by faith. But from a Jewish point of view, the desire is we want you in the book of life, but you got to make sure you do enough mitzvot. So there's three books opened at Rosh Hashanah. Uh, they, there are three feasts in which the men must go to Jerusalem. This is when the temple stood. And in the Torah, in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 16, the three feasts are the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, 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 Trump, uh, excuse me, Yom Kippur, and Tabernacles. And so those three feasts, the men had to go to Jerusalem. The three themes that we're going to talk about tonight, re repentance, next week, redemption, and uh, tabernacles regathering. So these will be the three. So it's, it's still about the number. So we have one, three, 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 three. Go ahead, Chris. Next one. Now, there are four features of all the feasts of Israel. And if you could remember these, you don't have to jot it down because this is going to be the notes are kept for you and you'll be able to access them. But it's a good thing to remember. First of all, the feasts are for the Jewish people to remember. Remembering is very important. Uh, God has done many things for his people, and we are a forgetful people. And so these feasts are given, and the Jewish people are to remember the history. An event that happened, we are to remember. They're also agricultural. You know, God is a sovereign God who chose the Jewish people as a people. He chose them because he loved them. He's sovereign. And he chose a special land for them. And that unique land 
it's interesting, is totally dependent upon rain. There's not a lot of water around the land that God gave to him. There's the Dead Sea. There is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, there's not a lot of water. And if the water doesn't come, then the crops won't grow. And these holidays, especially as we go to the last one, Tabernacles, is really a, 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 a dependence upon God to bring the water so that they could grow the crops that are needed to survive. And so God is the one who provides, and that land that he chose for them is a constant reminder that they are dependent on him for blessing. And then sacrifice. Uh, the feasts have sacrifices. There's blood that is shed. And in, in Leviticus, it says the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes an atonement. And then for our purposes and for theirs, but, but certainly for ours, is the prophetic anticipation of the Messiah. You know, as you look at the seven feasts of Israel, they definitely revolve around a picture of redemption and sanctification. They, they tell a program, but all of them anticipate the Messiah. He is the one that's going to bring it all to fruition. So that's the number four. Chris, next slide. Now, number five, there's five different names that are given to Rosh Hashanah, the day of blowing, Yom Truah, the memorial of triumph based on Job, the day of remembrance. That's the way the rabbis depict it, the day of judgment. Uh, and number five is also uh, the head of the year, the most common name. Uh, Rosh Hashanah actually comes from uh, the Mishnah, the head of the year. So when we think of those names, there's five different names, and there's seven total feasts, as we said, from Leviticus 23. Next slide. Another number seven is Tishrei, the Hebrew month. And then number 10, there are 10 days of awe. Now, these are amazing uh, days. Uh, remember I said that no one knows, at least according to the rabbis, no one really is that bad that they're in the book of judgment, and no one's that good that they're in the book of life. So most people are in that other book, the book of neither, that I call it, and, and they're going to be inscribed at Yom Kippur. So these 10 days, many Jewish people take this very serious, because for the next 10 days, they must first take inventory of their life and say, oh, man, I'm going to be inscribed in one or two books, and I only have 10 days, and I don't know if I'm in which book I'm in. I want to be in the book of life. So they begin to analyze or examine their last year. And for the next 10 days, they make up for whatever deficiencies they thought they had. And so I, I've met many Christians who've had Jewish people come to them during these 10 days where they were actually come up. They might say, you know, I'm very sorry. I borrowed some money from you and I never paid you back. 
And so I'm sorry, I want to pay you back. Or they borrowed something, they were neighbors and they borrowed uh, some sort of gardening thing and they return it. Uh, or they said something and they're convicted of it and they go back and say they're sorry. During these 10 days, repentance is on their mind and doing good deeds is very important to them. They go to a creek. It must be live water. So it can't be stagnant water. They'll go to a creek or a river uh, or an ocean, anything that's alive, that's moving. And they will bring leavened bread with them. They take their children, their whole families. So when I lived in Chicago, especially in Skokie, there was a, a river there. Uh, we, we would often see uh, observant Jewish people with strollers, with their kids, and they're walking together. It's really a wonderful picture. And they, they bring the bread with them and they throw the bread into the water. And of course, it's alive, so it's taken away. And the prayers that they recite actually talk about as far as the this bread, bread has leaven, symbolic of sin, of error. Uh, remember, Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, uh, that beware of the, or said to his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And at Passover in the, in the Haggadah, it tells us that the uh, leaven that they get rid of is the same thing as the evil inclination of the heart. So both Christians and Jewish people believe leaven is symbolic of sin. And so they throw their sin into the live water. It's carried away. The, the desire is that it gets carried away as far away as possible. They repent. They are, are telling God they're sorry. And then also the hundred shofar blasts, a hundred of them. Now that's an amazing thing. They're going to hear a hundred uh, toots. And now that I know that you can't hear it, let me just tell you that they're sounded during Rosh Hashanah, and there's four different kinds of uh, shofar notes. They're, they will cry out tikia, and that's a three-second note. And then they'll say shivurim. That's three one-second notes. So it's uh, tikia is do, do, do. And uh, shivu, sh shivurim would be do, 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 like that. And then uh, trua is a short staccato, real fast, do, 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 like that. And then finally, there's a uh, tekiah gadol, which is uh, the longest one that must last about 10 seconds. And these blasts are all, in a sense, to remind the people that who God is, he's a covenant-keeping God, uh, he, there's a call to worship. Listening to the shofar is not just important at Rosh Hashanah, uh, the shofar was used for lots of different things as we read the Jewish text. Finally, there's this number 5,784. So what in the world is 5,784? Remember I said that uh, Rosh Hashanah is the new year, yet it takes place in the seventh month. Now, I don't know if we have any school teachers here, but uh, we just had in either August or September after Labor Day, depending on your school system, we had a brand new school school year. It was a new year. 
even though last year ended either in May or June for you. If you're an accountant, there's a what's called a fiscal year. Uh, so there are different years that we're aware of in our culture. And in, uh, in the Bible, there's several years. There's a religious new year. There's a civil year. There's a year of sacrifice. There's different new years that go on in the scripture. But from a Jewish point of view, if you talk to uh, a Jewish acquaintance that you have, a friend of yours, they understand that the civil new year, Passover would be the religious new year, the month of Nisan. But for the Jewish uh, civil year, they believe that God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, this Friday, it will be as when, when Rosh Hashanah takes place, when the sun goes down on uh, Friday night, it will be 5,784. In other words, observant Jews believe that God created the earth less than 6,000 years ago. Now, I can hear the fire burning, the, the, the wood is burning in your head, and you're saying, wait a minute, I know Jewish people, none of them believe in a young earth. That might be, I'm sure that's true. According to Judaism, it's 5,784 years. But they're able to divide their lives from their religious life and their regular life. A lot, of, a lot of people who call themselves Christians do the same thing. So all they're saying is, yeah, I, I, okay, that's the tradition. You buy a New Year's card, it says 5,784, but I don't really believe that. Uh, I cannot tell you that it is 5,784, and that's the exact amount of years. But I can tell you that because I was, certainly because I was raised in a, a, a Jewish home that taught this, the synagogue taught it, I've never stopped believing it. I'm not sure if it's five exactly this number, but I'm, I am believing by faith, believe that it's a young earth. And that's what Judaism teaches. Go ahead, Chris, next one. Okay, so today uh, we celebrate, or we will on Friday, uh, Rosh Hashanah, and it commemorates the creation of the world, and it's the civil new year. Next slide. Okay, repentance and regathering. I cannot tell you how important repentance is. Uh, remember, we eat apples and honey. Uh, the family is getting together. They have a very lovely meal. The, uh, they'll go to synagogue. It's regarded as a Shabbat. So candles are lit. Candles are big uh, for big holidays. Uh, Passover, Shabbat, uh, uh, tabernacles. Uh, big holidays have calendar, uh, have candles to bring in the light uh, so that we can see what God has done for us. And repentance is the name of the game at Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the idea of judgment is coming. I have to take inventory of my life. I know I need to do, I need to get better quickly. And so they're about the business of doing that. And when the temple stood, they had sacrifices. And so they don't have them now. There are no sacrifices. And we'll talk about that next week, which is really critical uh, because there was a whole priestly system 
once a year to go into the Holy of Holies. But regardless, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, has also, when the temple stood, sacrifices that were given. And so there's the blowing of the shofar, shofar there's a desire to examine our life, knowing that we're sinners, and knowing that we have to overcome that sin with as many mitzvot as we can do. By the way, this is the kind of system, it's different than some Gentile systems, but they're nonetheless works-based. Judaism says you must do mitzvahs, and you must do more mitzvahs than, uh, than sin. And you got to overcome your sin with mitzvot. And so clearly, uh, at this time of year, if Jewish people take these seriously, and they do, in fact, what's interesting is most synagogues will have, you'll never hear anything about money uh, on Shabbat. You could go to a Shabbat service, maybe some of you have. They won't take an offering, they don't do offerings. Uh, you could go. You won't see a collection. There won't be anybody saying anything at all. Uh, and so it's free. But when it comes to the high holy days, especially Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, usually they will charge for the tickets. Uh, so synagogues are membership. You purchase uh, membership, especially with families. You want your son bar mitzvah, your daughter bat mitzvah. So you purchase uh, your membership and usually the synagogue base it, bases it on your income. It's a sliding scale. Uh, so usually the Christian says, uh, wait a minute, you guys don't take an offering? Uh, and the Jewish person, no, you guys take offerings. We don't do that. But on the other hand, the, the Christian will say, wait a minute, you have to join with membership? We don't have we have membership, but membership's free. Uh, the bottom line is how you're going to pay for the rent, the the electricity, the air conditioning, the heat, the parking lot, the building, all that. Somebody's got to pay. Uh, from a Christian point of view, we give joyously and hilariously as we understand that we are saved by the grace of God. And once we understand grace, 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 wonderful grace, we should give out of our heart, not out of our a sliding scale. But nonetheless, and I don't say it in a bad way, that, that's the culture in Judaism. Membership, but every synagogue is open free. Uh, there's no offering taken. Uh, next slide, Chris. So we got Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. We've got repentance, rejoicing, and regathering. We have the lighting of the candles. and. Uh, so part of the liturgy is blessed are you, our God, ruler of the world, who sanctifies us with mitzvot and calls upon us to kindle the lights of the Shabbat candles. And, you know, uh, one of the prayers is where we say, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu, Melech Ho'alam. Melech Ho'alam, which really has to do with... Uh, Really, he's the king of the universe. He is the sovereign of time and space. When we come to him, he's Melech Ho'alam. He's the, he's the king of the universe. And at Rosh Hashanah, 
Uh, in fact, in many of the blessings, that term is really critical uh, for us. They will uh, recite a prayer. It's a liturgy. And I don't know if you could see me or not, but there's uh, one of the prayers is our father, our king. And it lists about 30 different things about God. Our father, our king, we have no God but you. Our father and king bestow on us the bl blessing. Our father, our king, we have sinned before you. And every time we, we talk to God, we say our father, our king. And every time you use the word sin or transgression, we pound our heart. And so in the liturgy, you will see Jewish people who are contrite for their sin. Our father, our king, we have sinned before you. Uh, they'll have a, a, a liturgy that goes for the sin, which we have sinned before you. And so uh, if you're an outside observer watching this, you're saying, man, they, they understand that before a holy God, they are sinners. And it's true. Uh, that had a profound effect upon me. I, I, I didn't believe in Jesus, but I certainly understood that I was a sinner. Judaism and the liturgy and the feasts that are taught, even with the temple destroyed, even with rabbinical Judaism, overcoming biblical Judaism, there is clearly a teaching of sin and clearly the desire to walk with God, to do good, to, to have mitzvot in your life. And it's regarded, the text tells us in Numbers, you shall not work. It's a Sabbath. So just the way you celebrate a Sabbath is the way you celebrate Rosh Hashanah and then Yom Kippur. So again, those of you uh, who grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in your school, school was either closed or your Jewish friends weren't there. Uh, next week is Yom Kippur. I'll tell you the story of Sandy Koufax, the pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 1965 uh, World Series and how he had a profound effect upon massive amounts of baby boomer, boomer baseball fans. I'll tell you about that next week. So, Chris, next one. Uh, so, we have challah and honey. Uh, challah is the Sabbath bread. It's a, a special bread. It's not just had at the Sabbath. Uh, it's called Sabbath bread, but they'll have it at Rosh Hashanah as well. Uh, it's a very important um, a bread, and the prayer is said over it, and they dip it in honey, apples and honey. Pomegranates, if you ever opened up a pomegranate, the seeds, they're all over the place, and they want to eat pomegranates because they want as many blessings as the seeds in a pomegranate. Uh, so, And numerous, numerous mitzvot, honey cake, sweet cake. Uh, some Jewish people will have multiple heads of fish. Imagine that. Why the head of a fish, if you're vegetarian, cabbage head, or if you're a mass carnivore, a sheep or a rooster? Now, I don't, I've never met anybody with, who did it with sheep or rooster. I'm sure there are. I knew about fish heads uh, and vegetarians, that's new to me, cabbage head. I, I read about it. Why? Because Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. And so head is the key. And so as a symbol, as a reminder 
they'll do that. Now, couscous, uh, seven vegetables for the seven feasts. Couscous, the grains are really, really little, and they're a lot in one spoonful. So again, many grains, many blessings, many mitzvot, uh, and then dates. Dates are sweet. So we have that. Next. Tashlich. I've already talked to you about Tashlich, casting your sins into the depths of the sea from Micah chapter 7 and verse 19. Blowing of the shofar. I'm sorry you can't hear it, or it's probably a blessing for you. Uh, but the idea of the shofar is a double blessing. It calls the people to prayer, calls the people to battle, calls the people to gather together. But it also is believed traditionally that it confuses Satan. Um, and so it's the, uh, the whole idea of regathering. And uh, uh, so that's important during Rosh Hashanah as well. Now, there's another passage that's really significant. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is where uh, Abraham is taking his son. It's an amazing passage. And uh, if you can, let's turn there. Uh, Genesis chapter 22. This is where actually the shofar comes from biblically for the Jewish people. And this is a place that if you have eyes to see, and I didn't when I read it until after I became a believer. But if you have eyes to see, Genesis chapter 22 is a passage that, um, and it's called the Akita in Hebrew. It's the binding because Abraham bound his son Isaac. So it says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abram, and he said, here I am. And he said, listen to this, take your son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, let me tell you, I have four kids. I have two sons, two daughters. If God spoke to me and said, take your child and offer him up or her up, the last thing I would do is what Abraham did in verse three. It says, so Abram rose up early. I would have slept in that night. I guarantee you. Uh, of course, he's obedient. But that's why he's listed in the Hall of Faith. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He's the father of the Muslims. He's the father of the Jewish people. He, he's in the Older Testament. He's in the New Testament. Uh, Abraham loved his son. It was really his only son. It was the promised son, the one he waited. He got called when he was 75, and now he's 100 years old. Actually, when by the time he's making this offering, it's probably about 115 or so. Isaac is about 15 years old. And so he rose up early in verse 3 and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood and the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, it's amazing. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place far off. And he said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we'll come back to you. We're, we're going to go worship and we're coming back. Yet he knew he was going to kill his son. 
So uh, Abram took the wood, laid it on his son Isaac, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abram, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire, the wood. Where is the lamb? Good question. Abram said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. There is a lot going on in this passage. And I cannot tell you that Jewish people, when they read it, first of all, it's recited in Hebrew in almost all congregations. Most Americans, most French people in France, most people don't really translate the Hebrew other than they look to the side uh, as they're chanting it and they read it the way we're reading it. And they don't really take the time to what is the implication of this verse? Here we are at Rosh Hashanah, the first of the year. Repentance is on our mind. And here is the story, the binding of Isaac. So we have a loving father in obedience, taking his only son, his son who was faster than his father, probably stronger than his dad by this time, a 15 or 14 or 16 year old. His father, 115 or 14 or 16, whatever he is. But we have an obedient son. We have a loving father. And this father believes that even if he offers up his son, somehow, some way, God is going to raise him up because he's, they're going back to the servants who are waiting for them. And so this is read in synagogue. And as I said, I was blind to it all those years. But when I understood that this is a text during the high holy days. And the idea tying it in for me to Isaiah 53, which talks about the fact that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. God took, God offered his only son. Uh, but here in Genesis 22, instead of Isaac being killed by his dad, as he raises up the uh, knife to slice, probably kosher his neck, there was a, uh, a, a ram caught in a thicket, and we use a ram's horn as the shofar. And so it's, it, there's all kinds of messages that rabbis give during this time, and they talk about the shofar, and they talk about Akita, the binding, a willing son, a loving father. Of course, God would never, they would say, God would never uh, tell, uh, never allow a human sacrifice. And yet we know, we believe that, in fact, the God of the universe, the creator, Melech Olam, the sovereign God, did offer his son uh, as a sacrifice. The only way, the only way that we could be sanctified, that we could be kosher, that we could be made fit to be in the presence of God had to be through the shed blood of the Messiah of Israel. Abraham loved his son. Uh, but was willing to give him up. God loved the world so much that he gave his son. And what an amazing thing that is. Next slide, Chris. So the book of judgment, the book of life, the book of neither. You know, thank God. I don't know who's on these. Uh, uh, for the most part, I'm sure if you're, if you're going to devote a Thursday uh, for an hour or more, to listen to a class like this, 
uh, chances are you're at least interested in spiritual things. And hopefully most of you have come to a place in your life where you've received the Messiah of Israel, the Lord Jesus as your savior. But if you haven't, this is the, a great time to think about it. Think of your life, you know, in the, in, in Corinthians, second Corinthians, uh, chapter 13, it talks about, and you could go to that one, Chris. I think that's the last one. If you switch the slide, are you there, Chris? Oh, you might be taken of, there he goes. Uh, Go to the next slide, the last one, because that's where I want, and we'll go back to this one. Next one again. Okay, I guess it's it's still a little further away. But it, either way, uh, the Bible tells us that we're to examine ourselves to see if we're in the household of faith. Examine yourself to see if you're in the household of faith. So, you know, there it is, 2 Corinthians 13.5. So you see, at Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish people are examining themselves. If they're, if they're at all taking it serious, they know this is the new year. They want, the emphasis is l'chaim, life. May you have a healthy, happy new year. Families gather together. But there's also, when they go to Tashlich, they throw their uh, sin into the running water and want their sin to be carried far away. There's, oh, I need to apologize. I need to make right the wrongs that I have. There's this, this overwhelming desire built into the system to repent and think about who I am and how have I offended people and, and, and have I offended God in any way. And believers can identify with that, especially those of us who take communion. It's called sometimes called the Eucharist, the breaking of bread. It's called a lot of different things, communion. Well, the Bible says, Paul said, examine yourself. That comes right out of this tradition in Rosh Hashanah. Examine yourself to see if you're in the household of faith. And if you're not, if sin is has become overbearing and you're not a believer, trust Christ. But is it possible for a, a believer to sin? Yes. Is it possible that sin could be overtaking them in their life? Yes. Our position as saved people can never be taken, but we could allow our old nature to overcome our life to the point where we're disregarding the unction of the Holy Spirit. And the safeguard to that, of course, is examining ourselves asking ourselves, is there any leaven in my heart and life? And at Rosh Hashanah, Jewish people are doing that. You know, what's really neat. If you have Jewish friends uh, and you have a good relationship with them, number one, wish them a happy new year. Uh, we had a gal at uh, Friends of Israel who doesn't have, she, she works in ministry services, loves Friends of Israel, loves the ministry, uh, and she said today, she told me today, I just learned Lashana Tova. Is that how you say it? I just learned that. I could hardly wait. She was telling me this. Uh, Chris, her name's Taylor. You know Taylor. Uh, and she said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to use that greeting. I am telling you, if you have any Jewish friends and you greet them with Lashana Tova, if you tell them, may you have a happy new year. Uh, Lord bless you. May your year be filled with health 
and happiness and peace. Uh, the fact that you even know it and the fact that you would do it, if you if you really uh, want to step out in faith, uh, get a car. Uh, at the, and again, depending on where you live, they're easy to come by. Uh, you can even go online today. Uh, but uh, I know they're still sold in some stores uh, where you could get Rosh Hashanah cards. And Jewish people are just so impressed with uh, a, a Gentile who would take the time to do that. Uh, and if you could ever get invited to a, uh, a meal on Rosh Hashanah, that would be an amazing. Uh, the other thing, application, you'll hear a lot of uh, commentators who will say, oh, yeah, that the Feast of Trumpets is the rapture of the church. Well, again, if you want to apply it that way and think that way, uh, no problem for me. But actually, the Feast of Trumpets wasn't given to the church. The Feast of Trumpets was given to the Jewish people. And so from an actual uh, plan of God, we would say, no, the trumpet sounds to call the people, to call them. And since Rosh Hashanah comes right before Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, we know that in the history of the Jewish people, the past and then the future, that the call to the Jewish people as they regather, we can actually see that beginning to happen. From my point of view, just my opinion, we've seen bits of it through the reestablishment of the nation of Israel as people who are coming from all around the world called. I, there's many people I've interviewed and seen, uh, I've heard their testimony as to why they went back to the land from wherever they were. And so often you'll hear this, there was something in my heart, I can't explain it, something in my heart that said, go home. I really believe that Rosh Hashanah is that example of a call and we're, we can we can see it happening uh, in order for that time, and we don't know when that time will be, but it seems close, uh, the regathering will be uh, on that day, that day of atonement uh, that will happen prophetically that the Apostle Paul talks about, where all Israel will be saved. We'll talk about that uh, next week as well. So, Rosh Hashanah is a great feast. It's a great holy day. It's a family time together. It's a time in synagogue. It's a, it's a time of thinking about their sin. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of confession. Uh, and as believers, you say, oh, oh, that's great. Jewish people do that. Well, I think if, hopefully as you looked at this and see um, what I'm, what, what's involved in Rosh Hashanah, you'll say, you know, I can see God's plan in my own life through these feasts. Passover, redemption, I hope you have a testimony. Uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread, sanctification, you're set apart immediately. God has made you fit for heaven. First fruits, Jesus Christ rose again. First fruits, guaranteeing that will be first fruits. Uh, for, he's first fruits for us. And that guarantees we'll be with him. And then the birthday of the church at Pentecost, uh, the church, I hope you're going to a local church and fellowshipping. And then, of course, Rosh Hashanah 
uh, the new year, 5,784, the great creator. God is the creator of heaven and earth. You know what's interesting? I was listening this morning as I was uh, uh, sp I spent a little time with the Lord. I was listening this morning, and I was impressed this morning. God knows my name. Man, I just was overcome this morning with thinking about that. That the God of the universe, the, the one who was, is, and is to come, the one who spoke the world into existence, knows your name. Just like he told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac. He, he knew who Isaac was. And he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he knew Abraham's name. Take your son and offer him to me. And God spared his son and killed a ram caught in a thicket. Uh, but in the future, God would send his son to die for us. Our Heavenly Father, what a good God you are. And we're thankful for each and every person who has come online uh, today. Lord, we think of our Jewish friends uh, on Friday night, families gathered together, many mothers who will, or grandmothers who will be lighting the candles, who will bring in the light, uh, many joys and smiles and laughter, lots of food. Uh, Father, we pray for those who have repentance on their mind and heart, for those who are thinking about their sin and how to overcome their sin. Oh God, we have the answer. It's not that we're smart. We just have the word of God. And so Lord, I pray that you would use some of us, even the ones gathered around tonight, that you'll use us at the appropriate time. Bring a person uh, that we can speak to and encourage them uh, and help them and love them to life. What a joy that would be. Thanks for each one. Uh, Lord, we look forward to gathering together next week again. We praise you. We thank you in the name of our soon coming Savior, even the Messiah of Israel, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Thank you for listening to our FOI Equip podcast. Again, I want to remind you to go to foiequip.org and sign up to be on our mailing list. We'd love to see you at one of our free live online FOI Equip classes. Also, be sure to listen to our other podcasts like the Jew and Gentile podcast hosted by yours truly and Steve Herzig. Also, the Gesher podcast hosted by Ty Perry. You can find out more ways to get involved with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry by visiting foiequip.org. FOI Equip is an outreach of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide evangelical ministry proclaiming biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while bringing physical and spiritual comfort to the Jewish people. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you soon.